Hi, welcome to the fifth episode of Bottoms Up. My name is Tom. And my name is Ben. This week we're going to be talking about queer spaces. But first... Okay, Ben, it's your turn to bring some treats today. Okay, so this week I haven't got a treat because it was my day off today and I didn't leave the house. Um, <laughs> and we were going to skip over it, but luckily... We're not going to skip over it. No, I said we were going to. Oh, we were. <laughs> but luckily... Luckily, I went to do some groceries shopping and I bought something that we both of us never had before. And when I took that out of my bag, we both gasped. As and gagged. So, um, so, can you describe those? What do they look like? So, it looks like a standard chocolate chip cookie. Except that it's <laughs> from the brand Bunty. <laughs> okay, how do, you pron- how do you pronounce oh, it? I knew you'd get it wrong. Bounty. 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 Thank you. So, it's like chocolate chip cookies, but bounty ones. Yeah, so I, I'm guessing it's just like a normal chocolate chip cookie with coconut in it, which yeah. I'm down for. I have one in my hand right now, but I will tell you something. It feels way more softer That's than what I would feel. have expected. Oh, okay. Where's the biggest one? It's really what you would expect. Like, really crumbly, a bit moist. Have you ever had those? It's like a half sphere, and they're like mm. coconut. It has like burnt coconut on the top. They kind mm. of feel like that. Mm. It, and those like the spheres you're talking about, some that are really wrong. Yeah. Are they called Raffaello's? Uh, I don't know what they're called. No. In Switzerland we have that, it's called Raffaello's. I think they're called like coconut something. Mm-hmm. I remember I used to get, there's this like shop up north called Home Bargains and they basically mm. sell like discontinued brand stuff. And they used to sell like weird shit like that and I used to put them. Mm. Um, I'm into these though. Mm, same. We like it. That's a success. They're quite soft. I wouldn't call it a biscuit. No, exactly. The biscuit that stayed a bit too long outside of the box in the kitchen, which is quite vibe. So, one thing that we uh, wanted to announce is that we're going to... um, Instead of bi-weekly, we're going to go to monthly, just because of the realities of, like, maintaining and putting out a quality podcast is a lot more work than we expected, and we both Exactly, and that's the difference. A quality podcast, we make a lot of effort to edit it, to make it into a digestible content. Exactly, we could just upload this audio. Yeah, some people do. Yeah. We won't name names some people don't edit judging <laughs> you can't some of you bitches can't even spell adobe um audition <laughs> yeah we just want to maintain quality i mean rather have less often something up but have some good things that people can actually listen to so no shade but like i don't think a podcast is something that is just a recorded piece of audio there's more to exactly. it than that Otherwise, everyone, I mean, everyone does these days, but everyone can just call themselves a podcaster. Yeah, but like we do. Yeah. Um. <laughs> we put effort into it a lot. But we put, yeah, care. exactly. Um, but we both work full time and we both do stuff outside of work. We're getting um, money. So until one of you sponsor us and give us money to actually do it, then we're going to monthly sales. Sponsor us <laughs> if you care about us, to be honest. Maybe in future we'll go back to bi-weekly once we get into more of a rhythm. But exactly. at the moment, for... The foreseeable future, we're going to be monthly. Exactly. And if you've got any complaints, send it to our Curious Cat. The bottom line. The bottom line. So, who wants to go first? I'm going to go first. Okay. That rapper, XXXTentacion, (gasps) died. Remember that? Wasn't his memorial today? I think there was something. I'm sure it was today. So, there is a lot of unpack. As of 
reminder for everyone he was shot in his car really young he's really, he was really young right 20 I think, I think he was like he was like 20 21 or 22 so he was really young and he got shot in his car the thing is he had a bit of a reputation for being a piece of shit he abused his pregnant girlfriend in multiple ways that if you want to have details of just look it up online uh as yeah well. like i when i first read it i was like, shocked it's, it's quite rare that i read something these days and i'm like oh my god that is fucking disgusting all right he's been bragging as well about kicking the shit out of a gay person in prison yeah there was uh, like someone who was looking at him and he thought he was gay so he literally i mean it was i'm not going to go into it because it's i don't want people to have to listen to it like he basically beat this guy within an inch of his life with the intent yeah with the intention to kill him and he's bragging about it and he's talking about it after his death all those celebrities Kanye West Nicki Minaj John Mayer people like saying like general homage to him or like things like that so what I want to say or ask people that have documented behavior being being pieces of shit like misogynistic homophobic you name it do they have a right to rest in peace should they be respected when they die at some point or whatever mm. on one hand we've seen a lot of people when he died saying oh good riddance like i'm i'm, I'm not mourning like and on another side someone just died mm. i mean we have to show some respect in a way mm. or some d distance yeah please. i mean my opinion has completely changed on this because i remember when margaret thatcher died and at the time i was like i did think like oh but that is someone's grandma it's someone's mom but at the same time, fuck her and fuck him. To be honest, with him, I don't, I just, I like literally couldn't care less. I don't know her. I don't even know how to pronounce her name. I've never seen her Instagram. I've never heard a song. I don't understand why people, someone on Twitter said it, the modern day Tupac dying. And I just don't think that's true. And I feel like social media, because it's so, he's a young rapper and he's had a controversial past. I think it's like hyped up and it, he's been made out to be some sort of like visionary legend that he never was. I just honestly couldn't care less. And I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna be like, oh, I'm fucking glad he's dead. But also if anyone I know or like anyone in per in, who I encountered in person was like saying, oh, it's so sad that he's died. It's so, like, he was such a great person. Then I'd be, I'd, I'm like more than happy to point out he wasn't a great person i don't think pointing out that someone who's died was a really bad person is wrong just because they're yeah. dead doesn't mean their life they were any more of a better person there is that cultural thing up around death that most people almost erase bad parts of people need to remember the good thing or to celebrate the good things yeah that is true i mean part of me does think although he was an asshole that he's getting um expectations and like precedents that are set on black people are a lot more than yeah. they are with white people like I, if this was eminem who has a history of domestic violence he's yeah. literally written songs about killing women mm -hmm. um and raping women he's had homophobic songs like it would be completely different and they hide it behind like oh it's um, just a character that uh, yeah. he's doing so I don't know. I just think like, oh, I'm just like, who, who is he? Like, I've, I've never heard of him. <laughs> he did a song with like Noah Cyrus. I think that says it all. Like, anyway, I just think that that thing raised a lot of ambiguous questionments. Mm, uh, I guess there's not really a right answer either to any of them. It's all relative, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, do you have any bottom line? Yeah. So I, it's not so much a bottom line, but I just want to kind of 
talk about what happened. Oh fuck, you've not seen it. I was going to talk about what happened on Drag Race last week. Have you seen the whole situation with the Vixen, yes. Asia and RuPaul? Absolutely. Okay, so like RuPaul, I like RuPaul when she's in drag and she's on the panel. I think outside <laughs> of that, he is a, a trash human being. RuPaul in that episode last week manufactured and created a situation where five people, predominantly white people, were attacking someone and telling someone how they reacted to someone else's shitty behavior was wrong. I mean, she's a great TV producer because it makes her really interesting TV and it makes her exciting TV. Mm-hmm. The thing that makes me think that RuPaul was producing it in his head was the only time he got angry was when Asia disagreed with him and outright said, you are wrong. That's when RuPaul snapped and started shouting. It wasn't before. And it, I do not think that RuPaul was emotionally invested in the Vixen situation at all or the no. Vixen in Eureka's argument. I think not RuPaul as someone who owns has a TV show is completely aware that Eureka has a reality show TV storyline. She's always willing to apologize. She's always willing to grow from the experience and still continually post up and like display shitty behavior. It's really obvious that the reason the Vixen had a problem with Eureka is because Eureka has like, there's videos of Eureka using racial slurs and saying shit like all lives matter on Twitter. And the Vixen, like she said, went into the competition, had a problem with Eureka, tried to just keep it out of her mind, whatever. Eureka poked her and poked her and poked her. And then when she snaps, she's the bad guy. I've been team Aquaria or Asia for quite a while. But that speech that she did about how like, we're filming during Pride Month and we've just let some like, one of our sisters walk out of here. and. Not, like not even myself got up to help her. It was that that maybe yeah, and I think to have like the goal to sit there and call out RuPaul, it just really made me like her. And I just and the way Ru- RuPaul reacted to it by snapping and shouting, saying I couldn't fucking do anything. I, it I was just, clearly uh, RuPaul snapping because someone was stepping out of the character they were supposed to be uh, framed into exactly and, and displaying uh, like a completely logical, reasonable, heartfelt, like emotional um, and disrupting the whole narrative that RuPaul was trying to set up as well. Exactly. And I just think at this stage in RuPaul's career, I just, I feel like it's gotten to her head a bit and it seems like she feels like she's this mother of the LGBTQ community. But when she completely disregards what Asia was saying, I just think she's trash. And (laughs) I'm not going to stop watching the show. I enjoy the show. And I like RuPaul when she's in drag on the panel. I think she's funny. But we have to be critical. Outside the drag character of RuPaul, I think she's trash. And I saw a really funny tweet that was like, RuPaul let someone drown in the Hudson River. Of course she wasn't going to help the Vixen. <laughs> but yeah, and I really, it like gained a lot of respect for the Vixen and I thought she looked sickening as well. Just to give a little bit of context because some people oh, might sorry, not be watching Drag wrong. Race. On Drag Race, last episode was the reunion at the end of the season. Regular narrative during that season was the Vixen, who is a beautiful, tall, really thin black woman has been set up the whole length of the season as being someone angry. She was portrayed as the angry black woman the whole season. And that's been a regular narrative of portraying her attacking other people. It's been quite obvious that... uh, and, And she was set up against another character who is Eureka, who is a really voluptuous, outspoken, loud... Uh, white drag queen but she was portrayed as the victim uh, during a lot of episodes so and that has been raised basically during the reunion RuPaul has raised uh, the question of conflicts between Eureka and Vixen but basically started it off by saying the way you acted was wrong exactly the whole point that RuPaul was going to set up the Vixen is is like you arrived here saying you came here to fight and you fought 
so you got what you deserve and you act wrong to everyone yeah. you are like irritable and stuff and one of the contestants Asia who is in the final who is one of the four finalists uh, stepped out and said actually no like she's been set up to, to do that so that was a really interesting uh, reunion. Yeah. I think what's interesting as well is the Vixen wasn't set up from Eureka from the start. There was the storyline in the first like two episodes, well, two or three episodes yeah. of her and Aquaria. And I read an interview that the Vixen did the other day about the reunion. And she said, Aquaria listened to what I, we had. We had like conflict. Aquaria listened to what I was saying took it on board. All I asked her to do was leave me alone and she left her alone. We're friends now. Yeah. I just, oh, fuck RuPaul and fuck Eureka. <laughs> I'm gonna, like, I'm not watching that show anymore of her or, Cam- or her I know, or Cameron right. Michaels win. Okay. Let's uh, move on. Let's move on. So our uh, topic this week is queer spaces. And as well, we are in full on Pride Month right now. Mm, happy Pride Month, everyone. Happy Pride Month, everyone, except to straight people. Yeah. Um, it's not for you. It's not for you. Especially... Think if about so- it before you buy that River Island merch. <laughs> yeah, so where should we start? I have a question for you. Mm-hmm. Right now, as a gay man, what importance do queer spaces have in your life today and as well maybe define what's a queer space for you yeah i'm not too sure so i grew like whilst i was in manchester obviously there's a really like centralized gay space that is canal street so i was really used to like going out there there's like places to eat places to drink clubbing another club another club (laughs) yeah it's weird i was thinking about it today i i don't like encounter queer spaces like in my daily life anymore and i've not really had that much experience of queer spaces in london i went to the tate had that queer and now festival last week Mm -hmm. i think what's really beautiful about queer spaces is well i knew in my mind that we were surrounded by queer people and it just makes me feel comfortable like i just love being around gay energy I think it's one of those where if me and Michael, if, if me and my Michael are walking down the street, like there's, I don't, I don't think I physically hesitate, but in my mind there's a hesitation before there's any sort of display of intimacy. When I'm in a space like that, I know that there's not, in any space you go, there's going to be assholes who might look at you in a way mm. or because of whatever reason. I think being in a queer space, you can be complete, it can be like authentically you and no one is... No one's gonna have a, or it's it's way less likely that someone will have a problem with you because of because yeah. you're gay. If they have a problem with you, it's gonna be because they have they're an asshole, mm-hmm. um, not because they believe in a certain way. I mean, I'm sure you get like conservative gay people, like not conservative in terms of like Tories, but more reserved people who think that people shouldn't be a certain way or whatever, who might mm-hmm. look at you like that. But I think. I just feel so much more comfortable when I know I'm in a space that's predominantly queer people. Yeah, and especially I think on our day-to-day life, we the way we grow up and we construct ourselves, like we learn how to act in a heterosexual world and we learn how to adjust our gayness. Yeah. And every time as well I step in a queer space or I feel in a queer environment, it feels like you let down of one layer of you and you can just let just be. Exactly, because even if you are presenting as queer, if you're in a straight space, if you're like acting flamboyantly or just acting as yourself and you think people might have a problem with it, I don't change my behaviour in them, but there's a mindset of I'm not going to change my behaviour because I'm here, whereas in a queer space, I'm just exactly. like, it just is my behaviour. Do you know yeah. what I mean? Whether we want it or not, I think in presence of straight people or in straight spaces, we always kind of are performative in the way we're gay. Mm. Whether 
we are conscious of it or not. Yeah. And it feels like the opposite we are in queer spaces. Because, for example, I am quite, have quite an activist way to be gay on my in my day-to-day life within my straight environment at work, or like mm. with straight friends. I'm always, I always feel like I'm on a mission that I have really comfortable and okay with myself to make the world more open to us and like to educate. Yeah. And so I'm always in that mindset of saying, try to act gay, try to be gay, try to the best, yeah, be the most gay you can be. Yeah. And, uh, and to voice it and to be extremely open about that. Yeah, and talk about it. And talk about it. And yeah, just to do justice for like the times where I didn't maybe. Being in a queer space feels letting that go. But so you talked about that festival you, you went to last week. Yeah. Do you feel queer spaces are dependent of an occasion, a physical space, or the people you are with? at the moment how does that influence I think like the unless you're going to define it as a, like a queer space as, as in like gay bars or gay mm-hmm. club or an event that's specifically gay when I think of a queer space I think of some situation that is predominantly gay people so whether that's like an online thing or mm-hmm. an event I was thinking about this definition of space and what that means I think that's what it means to me what about you? depends mainly of the people I'm with Mm. Other people are because like I don't really go to gay spaces and even if I go to a gay bar for example a gay club I don't really feel uh, safe necessarily over there mm. knowing that for example gay bars are a lot of time used by straight people as a safari expedition yeah and uh, you always have the random group of straight girls going there and like um, grabbing your ass or whatever. That happens. I, I had that experience where a few months ago I went to a gay bar slash club in London and there was a like, group of heterosexuals coming in with like glitter hats, feathers, scarf. Yeah. And like that whole offensive representation of what they were expecting to find a gay bar. And they were in that same place, they were like really young queer people that then be gay lesbians there were some trans people for who it was maybe the safe space the mm. safe outlet and those people were there and those straight people came there mocking a whole culture yeah aesthetics and stuff i think it feels like we're losing control yeah i think wait spaces. i mean this i feel like we could do like a whole episode on like appropriation of gay spaces by straight people yeah my personal opinion on it is I'm fine with straight people in queer spaces, but I think of it kind yeah. of as like having a guest stay at my house. I'm inviting you into this space. Yeah. You need to be respectful. You need to adjust any shitty behavior that you would display elsewhere. If I call you out on your shit, on s- some sort of shitty behavior, yeah. you need to sit there and listen to what I'm saying. I think people get excited by, especially straight, in my own, my own experience, only white women. Uh-huh. Um, I think when they get into a space that they're not used to and it's exciting and I understand why they're there because they feel safe and they're less, it's way less likely to be yeah. that you're going to be harassed. I completely get it. And especially when people are there with their gay friends, I think it's easy to get excited when you're in a space like that and get sort of um, overexcited and s- take a bit more space than you should do up. I've done it before where like I've went to, to be on clubs. <laughs> well, that's like a good example. Yeah. Or like I, I remember 
remember going to like a lesbian club in Manchester mm. and like a song that I've come on is like I've really liked and I've like knocked drinks over or something like that by accident but I can see how that would piss people off or yeah. why people would have a problem with me and I don't I feel like if I was occupying a space that wasn't for me and hadn't been created for me at least now maybe not so much when I was younger but I would bear that in mind a lot more and try and be as respectful as you can be I think the history of queer spaces and what they mean and why they mm. exist is something that straight people don't know about and it doesn't no. come into their it doesn't even come into their register which is a problem but it kind of makes me understand why it can be easy to be a bit more disrespectful. It kind of comes under the whole, like, straight people going to pride. And I get if you consider yourself an ally, that's completely fine. I'm never going to shit on someone who's trying to do good for the community. Sometimes you need to consider that things aren't for you. And it's fine if you want to come and join in, but just keep that in mind. Do you know what I mean? Mm, totally. Does that make sense? And I feel like I went on a bit of a ramble there. No, and I think you make a totally valid point, having saying like, it's not about us wanting to be by ourselves. It's about yeah uh, knowing the place and not in a bad derogative way. Saying like we live in society made for straight white males, and yeah, we should all have more respect for the spaces that are ours and we tend to appropriate. Being aware and like acting in consequence makes all the difference. What I think is happening right now is that, as you said, we know history of gay spaces and how they came to be and why they were needed because it was illegal to be gay. People needed a physical space where they could be safe, physically safe, mm. and to meet each other. Today it's a little bit different because those spaces are more, getting more and more virtual. So the physical spaces tend to have other functions, in my mm. opinion. As well, the whole community is more and more visibly uh, fragmented in the way that we have like a lot of different movements. For example, you have uh, gay conservatives, you have people of color. I'm not saying right now we invented like subgroups, but it feels like people are more migrating towards subgroups and not necessarily labeled as queer. Mm. For example, I've been to like clubbing, electron, I like um, a few months ago and felt way more queer than actual gay club. Felt like everyone like everyone there was queer basically but if it was more about like who the lineup was and stuff like that that, that reunited I triple that met because they they were all queer I, I get what you mean sense. I think what it is is this word queer we're starting to move away from le like bars specifically for lesbians or bars specifically for like mm -hmm. white gay men or bars that are specifically catered mm -hmm. for like trans people or drag bars and it's all sort of the culture is coming to this sort of umbrella term now. So there's a lot more like queer club nights popping up where it's queer party rather than like, I think years ago it would be like, a party for like this is a party for gay men and I think that's a good I think that's a good thing and I think it is out of that things are born I think it's good that we're at the stage now where marginalised people pe like subgroups in within under the queer umbrella can sort of carve their own space do you know what I mean? Yeah absolutely as well we I think we all have been feeling the need to like be able to party with our lesbian friends, with our trans friends or whatever. And it feels good not to be sectorized in like, in like the white gays in one area, lesbians in one other, trans people, as you yeah. said, and drag queens. And, I mean, Clapham uh, gays yeah. can just stay in Clapham. Yeah, I'm totally Please. fine with that. I'd rather that. <laughs> uh, than come get, anywhere near me. Like, I mean, yeah, I'd rather going to Jawad and going to a to hear someone screaming yeah. Miss Van Jay. Um, <laughs> one thing I want to 
wanted to talk about as well is pride for you a queer space we've addressed a bit of pride mm. but does it feel does it feel like a queer space to you I think it is and I think I do still think it's important my experiences of pride have been so I've been to Liverpool Manchester and London and they are all very different Liverpool's still really new um they Liverpool pride started because of them like there was a homophobic attack and on mm. like a 17 year old boy I think and he got oh. like well he was murdered when um wasn't that long ago it was about four five years oh. ago maybe so it's still really really new and it's completely decorp well it, it as much as it can be it's completely decorporatized the parade isn't a parade it's a march mm-hmm. um and they see the organizers do a really good job of being vigilant about it being a protest and it being radical still um it's really weird thinking about it now especially like growing up near Liverpool and I think to be honest I think Scouse people just do things differently to the rest of the country mm-hmm. which is lovely um, Manchester Pride is um, sorry I'm going to try and like sum up my experiences of them really yeah. briefly Manchester, so Manchester Pride's ticketed you have to pay for a ticket for the weekend mm. to, and they basically cordon off the whole of Canal Street the parade mm. is through the city um, and anyone can go and watch the parade and there's like fringe events that are outside of Canal Street now I understand there's problems with that and it is overpriced and it is really corporatised Ticketmaster have a float in the parade and they also run the ticketing of Canal Street it's not advertised anywhere or made clear at all that you don't actually need a wristband to enter Canal Street and they have stewards who I don't think are very well informed on that and will like tell people they need a wristband to go in and once you argue with them they will let you in so for anyone who's going to Manchester Pride this year if you are hesitant to buy a ticket save your money donate it to another like LGBT charity because you can get into Canal Street and Ticketmaster don't have fucking authority to tell you that you can't what are Um, the tickets for then? basically Canal Street is like a public space so you can walk through or access that space and they have nobody has any right to cordon that space off at all and make you pay to enter it however the bars on Canal Street and certain areas so there's the stage where the main acts are on there's a big dance tent they have like an entertainment throughout the day in two of the gardens so those spaces discretionally cannot let you in if you've not got a wristband but to just go into Canal Street and go into like whatever bars you can and enjoy the vibe it is free but that's not advertised anywhere which I think is a problem Mm. on the flip side of that the fact that they cordon it off and you need to there's this image that you need to buy a ticket to access there makes it a lot different to London Pride so London Pride is there's a big march through the city and then it's Trafalgar Square Ever since I've been here, it's there anyway. And it's free, anyone can go in, which means... And I think I think it's different in London as well. I think people go because it's a thing. I think you could have a festival no matter what it is and people would just end up there. Um, so you get a lot of like tourists stopping by and um, it's just so, so busy. The main bit of Pride anyway feels, I think, a lot less, inverted commas, queer than Manchester and Liverpool. Also, the floats and like advertising, like company advertising in the parade, I've noticed is a lot more prominent. So you'll literally see a Tesco lorry driving down. Whereas I feel like in Manchester, although those companies are still in the parade, they seem a lot less corporately decorated. Do you know, does that make sense? So in terms of like pride being a queer space in those ones that I've been to, I think, the mo- I think for Liverpool and Manchester, I think they, I feel like they are queer spaces and there's a strong feeling that it's queer and still like important and radical. And as well, there's a lot of other fringe places. 
London, on the other hand, mm, the main parts of it, no, but it is really nice to go to like, like tragic as Soho is these days. It is really nice to go and get pissed knowing that you're surrounded mm. by gay people. Yeah. Um, and then there's so many club nights like as well. And even like, so you guys are coming next week. We've rented out a karaoke booth and we've yeah. only invited the gays. So that's, it's nice to have access to spaces that you can sort of curate yourself. What I wanted to react on what you said is that we are talking about pride as a whole monolithic thing. It's not the case at all. There are prides. They are all really different from one each other. Mm. That's why some people go to more than one. Every single city that has a pride or every single region or every single country that has a pride has a different vibe than the next one. Mm. Uh, for, for example, as you said, pride originally is a protest. It's not a parade. Here in London, it's a parade. It doesn't have that protest vibe. When pride was happening in my hometown, it happened twice. Once in 2000. Oh, because it moves around, three. right? Did you say? In Switzerland, yeah. it moves around. Every year, it's in a different uh, city. However, Zurich has one every year. Okay. So Zurich Pride is a thing and uh, yeah, it's led by local associations. Mm. So you don't really have that uh, brand thing. Okay. Brands don't want to get involved with that. Okay. It's still in the form of a protest, but in Switzerland you don't have that culture of protesting. So mm. it's, it's a bit different. In my hometown there were some tensions about Pride being held there. So um, it's really low key and it was just people like walking around basically in a, in a precise order and, and parkour. What I realized is that uh, I didn't go to the march because mm. I was I was working that day, but I went to the whole festival thing. I was feeling really good because the thing of Stripper coming and appropriating that were not there. I had no business being there. Yeah. It was literally all queer people from involved gay people from the country and locals like allies, like real allies that wanted to come there and support their families. So my mom was there of straight friends, yeah. the ones that cared really, because Pride has a negative connotation in Switzerland. People only see it through TV and they only see like the, the fetish truck and like the, the drag queen stuff like that. They don't really understand what it is about. The upside of that, well, it was really nice to actually, it felt like having a really big queer space, but at home. So that was quite interesting. Well, I was oh. going to say, I think that's what's nice yeah. about like local prides. And I think like I'm at that stage of my life where I'm wanting to go to more like small town things. The people that are going to go to those, I mean, straight people love gay shit, but they just don't know it. And once yeah. it gets popular, that's when they cotton onto it. And that's yeah. why things like Manchester and London Pride are so fucking successful. And I think that's why it feels local prides are starting to appeal to me more and more. Is because the people that are there actually care about pride yeah. and aren't just there to get pissed and have a laugh, yeah. which is fine. But it'd be nice to be in a room of people that care. Do you know what I mean? And I think totally. that's what a queer space is. Yeah, if it's nice for us. What I wanted to say as well is that pride today as well still is really dangerous in some countries. On some like Eastern countries, for example, Serbia, I remember a few years ago when I went, it was just before pride. And a few weeks after I was there, people were like protesting and they had to cut the actual march. I mean, look at Russia where the fucking World Cup is at the moment. Exactly. Like... It's really difficult to grasp that idea that that same world is number of so many dif different experiences of the normally would be the same concept and that's why i think corporate pride is offensive when you are in L central london and you have all those straight people watching a parade watching of, barclays lead the pride parade watching barclays watching tesco a bank. exactly I yeah it, it feels a bit offensive to be honest
this. Yeah, totally. I think to be honest, I think we could do like a whole episode on what Pride is now and like the corporatization of Pride. So like moving away from that, yeah, we were like some of your favourite queer spaces that you've oh, been yeah, like, in your life. Um, oh, what's the first gay place that you went mm-hmm. to? It was the main arena injury for the Monster Ball in 2009. Oh, right, okay. <laughs> but seriously, it really felt like it. Yeah. At that point... At that point, the only people who cared about Lady Gaga were the gays. Yeah. Like, she was still at that point in her career. Yeah, indeed. It was when I went to that concert, was with my brother that had just came out, basically. Right. And it was maybe our first bonding experience That's as really brothers. That's really Yeah, it, I think it was truly my first, like, real queer physical space experience. It's not like when you catch someone else's gay in the street, uh, that's just passing by and just like like that. We didn't go at like 6 p.m. We were there at 11 a.m. Right, okay. And you spend the whole day watching. And the funny thing as well in Switzerland is that people speak different languages. It was in Zurich, the German speaking part. So you had all those Swiss German gays that were like uh, being sassy at each other, but in Switzerland, which is the language that they use, mm-hmm. And we're trying to catch who was speaking French so we could like talk with them and spending the whole day in there and then going to the actual concert and seeing like Lady Starlight and <laughs> all those trashy like no one cursed it really felt like a community Less, and like yeah. we talked about that actually in one episode where we like where we talk about feeling of community that Gaga built at that point where it was really real for us as teenagers. Uh, yeah, I think at it's. Time. I think like coming from the, like that word community, it's really rare that I'm in a gay space these days where I f- I'd feel so at home that like I'll say hi to people passing by, or like yes. brushing past people, I'll be like hi, yes. you having a good night, like do you know what I mean? Yes, and I don't. But know it happens that... once in a while. Yeah, no, but, and, and it's that's so precious. it's so nice. Yeah, it's really. Beautiful. Yeah, well, that happened as well, and as well, I talked about that on a podcast. That time when our world we had that uh, live stream over oh, two with days art school. On, with art school. That was exactly the kind of experience where a space that isn't a queer, sp- a queer space usually became mm. like the queer space I knew. That's why I think it's more about the people who are yeah. in the space. Uh, when that formula is right, like it's really yeah. beautiful. Yeah, it's all about a formula thing. A thing, no, what I would say as well, when I moved in here, mm. that's what I felt. Aww. That's true. I mean, it's when the place you live, because I moved in with uh, Ben and Michael, his fiance, and our housemate Max. Who's a beautiful ally. Who's a beautiful He's ally. He's a re- he puts the A in LGBT. <laughs> yeah. I've never met an ally so eager to like understand and get to know and discuss, be educated. Yeah. It's really rare, I mean. And uh and you guys have that whole group of friends, all beautiful lesbians, gays, and that hang around like a lot. And Sunday. And <laughs> <laughs> oh bless. Whatever she is. <laughs> She's Dalida. <laughs> oh, we love Sandy. He wishes. Yeah, all those people here, there is a real sense of community to me mm. that I never oh, that's had. So, that's so that, well, I, I have my group of friends in Switzerland that are like, my best friend has that kind of thing where they're a big group of lesbians that mm. are all really amazing. But I'm kind of a guest 
even mm. if I'm really included in the group or when I'm there, I'm, I guess that's what I hate in a way, but it feels real vibe of community. I, get, I definitely get what you mean. Like I remember when I first started dating Michael and I'm quite close to like, there's a lot of his friends I would call like our friendship group now. Mm-hmm. I think the really beautiful thing about them is that it feels like a family yeah. and the space that they inhabit becomes a queer space no matter where it is. Exactly. Um, it's exactly that. Yeah. yeah, I've never really thought about that actually, which is interesting. Yeah. But yeah, what's like your favourite gay bar that you've ever been in? <gasps> or your favourite uh, gay night? Do they have many like gay nights back home in Switzerland or? Uh, there is well, queer nights. There are some gay clubs. I've been there, didn't really feel at home. Oh God, I went back two weeks ago and we went into that bar, but they have a karaoke. And we went to the karaoke and we sang like Celine Dion songs with my brother. It was fucking amazing. Mm-hmm. That's the first time I felt like I was owning a queer space. Yeah. But it has that really cute, really local queer space yeah. vibe. Imagine it's like a town. There are like two gay bars maybe it's one of them everyone knew each other and yeah there were people like that we kind of knew and stuff there was a guy in the room that one asked my brother on grinder oh uh, is that you that i saw walking at mcdonald's Bless. yeah so, you at the McDonald's. yeah there is a club that's called le romandie where uh, we used to go when i was uh, living there and where my friends go all the time and it has a queer night where you would see all the gays and lesbians like quite young yeah. from the place and it felt really good actually it felt really like uh, all the allies would come as well mm. so it didn't have that kind of exclusive vibe that sometimes you get yeah. and that gives you that real thrill but it was still really good I but remember the first like gay night that I ever went to I was I think I was like 17 and we went out in Manchester for my friend at the time's birthday I think he turned 18 I hadn't really gone out clubbing at all until I like started my second year of university maybe yeah. but oh my god that night I was living for myself like mm. they had drag act on they had this like dress up box on stage I'm pretty sure it was what I think it's bar pop now but mm. I think it used to, it definitely used to be called something different at the time on yeah. Canal Street. And I was just gagged. Like, I just thought it was like the best place ever. Yeah. And I mean, I'm sure it was tragic, but it was really beautiful. I think there's a lot of this thing in Manchester where there are so many great queer nights that are super inclusive and Canal Street can be very volatile towards people. Yeah. But there's nowhere I've ever been that feels the same way Canal Street does. Yeah. I remember when I used to live in Manchester and I worked in the Northern Quarter about five minutes up the top of Canal Street. I had a flat down that was by Oxford Road and I used to just love walking down Canal Street after work and like every now and then bumping into people I know. It's so rare to have in a city a gay neighborhood quarter. Yeah. They're so limited and concentrated in one street that is clearly the gay one. Like say what you want about Canal Street and say like how problematic it is, but I think it's really beautiful. And it's yeah. really sad that there's nowhere in London like that anymore. And I think it's really important that that space in Manchester is protected, even if it is inhabited by like tourists taking selfies outside G.A.Y. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, what it reminded me is like the actual first time I went into a gay bar club. Mm. We were like on a... Um, <gasps> what? What the fuck is that by your lamp? It's an insect. Oh, oh, that's nasty. Oh
Okay, but I'm quite sure it doesn't sting or anything. So I, I will I let it live. I'm intersectional. So we were on like a class trip and I was 18 with my straight friends. It was the first time we were all like on a trip, out of home and everything. We were mm. sort of friends. And we were in that town and they had a gay bar. We were like, oh, we have to go to a gay bar. But were you out at the time? To those friends, yes. Okay. Generally at school, I would say yes. Uh, well, to my friends, basically. And we decided, oh, we have to go to... There is one gay bar that we have to go there. Problem is, we had to be back at the hotel by 9pm. Oh, it was 7pm. So we were looking on the internet. It was open at 7pm. So we showed up at 7. And they let us in. But we were by ourselves. And they have some weird, like, golden dicks on the bar. And they had, like, right. porn playing on the screens. <laughs> Everywhere there, a bunch of teenagers, straight girls basically, and me, having a coke or something like that. Yeah. Just watching out that porn. It that's was really, really weird. Funny. It didn't feel... That's why I had forgotten about that, because it didn't feel queer at all. There's so, been times when yeah. I've taken straight people to gay bars, and they have been, like, fucking shook. Like... <gasps> it just... <laughs> <laughs> oh. The bug's on Tom's bed, and it's... Okay, I'm going to take a picture. That's fucking gross. It's like trying to fly, but not... Oh. Oh. Okay, I'm gonna op open the window. Well, I think we have a good. Um, do you have anything to add about about queer space? I mean, we have lots, still lot to talk about. Um, speaking of queer spaces, the Stonewall riots were like it's the anniversary of them today. Yeah, 1969 in the early hours. That's um, what I would say because I know we have a lot of straight people listening to us. Even that we are straight bashing 99% of the length <laughs> of the podcast. Since 1990. Um, please, please get yourself educated about what Stonewall is, what happened and everything. That's a really important part of You should watch history. the Stonewall film that came out last year. <laughs> you know, the really like shit one. Uh, yeah, we have to talk about whitewashing that. as well. Um, so yeah, yeah t t just give a bit of context uh, because people might have not... Yeah, sorry, that was a joke that didn't come up very well. <laughs> yeah, so that film came on about the Stonewall riots. However, it was extremely whitewashed, knowing that a lot of people that were there and fought for gay rights were people of colour and drag queens and trans people. Mm -hmm. However, the film showcases mostly white men. I feel like there's like loads more we could speak about. We're going to say that again at the end, but if you have anything I would like to challenge that we've said that you would like to discuss about do we guess you or see tell us about now? the first like queer space that you went to yes absolutely tell us about good ones because we need to know about them yeah like ones that we can go to whether they're like down here or up north or wherever um or what's Venezuela. your favorite queer space yeah is? talking about recommendations should we move on to a recommendation section mm -hmm. my recommendation this week is a poet a non-binary poet and activist oh um, my god not a pop star that you're giving free promo to Imagine, <laughs> shook, to be extremely careful about how I address them mm -hmm. and how I'm talking about the whole representation and everything. Okay, so what's that? Yeah, they're called Alok, A-L-O-K, uh, V Menon on Instagram, A-L-O-K-V-M-E-N-O-N, -O -O and they uh, define themselves as a gender non-conforming writer, performer, fashionista. So we, there is a lot of talk about non-binary and trans identities, and it's quite rare that we are presented with people presenting as non-binary 
way that challenge you in every way they could. And that's why Alok is doing, in my opinion. So do you mean like an andro androgynous presentation? I'm not talking about androgynous. Have you Googled uh, Alok? They are an Indian person that presents with a lot of facial hair and with makeup, wearing a lot of colorful, most of the time women's wear. Oh, uh, I think I know who that is. Yeah. So that's... Uh, yeah. That's they've done some work with Trevor Salabanza. Yeah, they are extremely confrontational. Mm and uh, their poetry is all about they did a whole thing that was called I'm watching you watching me uh, stuff like that I don't remember exactly the word and I'm not gonna try to reproduce them because that's not my job that's not my talent mm. and they are doing that extremely well um, they write poetry about the way people react to their presence in a public space for example uh, the way the family reacts with that it's really harsh Mm. It's really raw. The reason why I'm recommending it is that we define ourselves war, really open-minded, trying to be inclusive, intersectional. And they are the first person that keep challenging me and I keep putting mm. myself in front of discriminatory traits I could have or any kind of problematic behavior. And they are pushing the limits, expanding mm. boundaries of acceptance, I think. Because it's quite easy to accept trans people if they are presenting as clearly one gender or the other or androgynous people it's quite easy to talk about okay but people that are presenting in that extreme it's, it's something that I think is so challenging and that we have to talk about it and we have to be comfortable to and they are so smart and they do talks I think they do workshops it's um I so, love them yeah what's the app where, can, pe where um, can people find Alok V Menon A-L-O-K-V-M-E-N-O-N cool cute um, everyone go follow them get educated get involved and consume the poetry please yeah and they always have looks as well they're fucking serving looks all the time. <laughs> um, so my recommendation is another queer podcast. Um, it's called On The Latch Podcast. It's really cute. It's done by like five guys from London. It's not the same, but it's quite similar to our format. They have one, two or three topics each episode and it's just them having a key it's cute. They have like, well, they had like Ali Alexander on, they've had Mnek on. Um, <gasps> and they... Can we talk about Mnek? Just because I want to add him. Um, I love him. Serving Bob's I don't know her. <gasps> I don't know her. Um, okay. But yeah, they're really cute. I've listened to them for a while. And mm -hmm. it's just really like super informal, chatty. At the Queer and Now Festival, I was walking through the market and I heard one of their voices. <gasps> and I was like, oh my God, that's someone from Other Latch. And then I saw them, but I was too embarrassed to go and say hi. Well, really you know what? Uh, now that they're in our recommendation section, we will add them. Yeah, and they will probably them. hear that. Yeah. We should try and do like a crossover with them or something. But you should yeah. check them out. They're really... Yeah. Yeah, oh, they're cute. The thing is, um, I don't listen to much podcasts, but every time like you've been mentioning one I've been going listening to and making gay history so it's so cool we won't add them again and again and again <laughs> but really it's so gentle anyway yeah like if your straight people want to learn about queer history go and download making gay history yeah. but first go rate and subscribe to us absolutely because we're done yeah if anyone um, wants to get in touch our email is bottoms up podcast it's btms up podcast at gmail.com and we're the same on everything so it's btms up podcast um for instagram we've got a curious cat so you can send us anonymous yep. emails yeah we're on twitter 
Again, we're not on Facebook because no one uses it anymore. Uh-huh. And we're on Instagram. Come and follow us on Instagram. Thanks for listening. Thank you and, for listening. Uh, see you next month. Bye. 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 Bye.